Thank you for listening in today to episode number 10 of My Awakening Podcast. This episode is part two of my conversation with Marcus Rogers. Before he begins the pickup from part one, Marcus and I share a poem that he wrote in 2018, which we both felt would be relevant for this podcast. This episode brings us much more lived experiences from Marcus that hopefully will raise your racial awareness as it did for me. Part two begins with our conversation right after we share his poem titled, Is. Is your fear to live or to die? Does your skin color matter and why? Is your plan to help or hinder? Will others forget or will they remember? If they remember, what will it be? What you did to or for me? Is it the new thing to believe what's wrong is what's right? Are you willing to kneel for the fight? Is your goal to lead or follow? For whom will it make a difference for tomorrow? Is your privilege truly understood? If so, are you willing to use it for good? Is your goal to have power or control? If so, will you do right and cast a new mold? Do you fear losing power or control? Isn't that tiring? Isn't that getting old? Is your hope to make a difference without judgment or hindrance? Is your past sprinkled with fear, regardless of your blessings or which year? Is your neighbor on your team? Do you both share the same dream? Is your mindset shared by all? When needs arrive, do you answer the call? Is there fear for your child today, regardless of their perfection or how much you pray? Is your dream to see for your kids and grandkids equity? Is the next generation going to see equality for you and me? To be uncomfortable is to grow, so share some new information with someone you know. Is there power within your reach to show more empathy, concern, or teach? If so, are you ready to make this change? Open your mind and get away from the same. Mindsets that got us here and kept us blind to a better world for all mankind. Is this my reality or is it yours? Will it open or close more doors? Is anything you've heard leaving you feeling blue? If so, then what are you prepared to do? Somewhat of a recap. <clears throat> Moving to Arkansas was supposedly a place where we'd be closer to family, a little bit slower pace, and it definitely was that. But it also was the beginning of what was the crack epidemic, and it just was out of control, and it affected black lives tremendously. Um, something that I had firsthand experience and understanding of how it was damaging, you know, uh, the black community. I lost probably eight or nine friends to the war on drugs and or, you know, the three strikes are out, which... Uh, we now realize was something that was just an incredible negative thing for African-Americans. I mean, so much so that, you know, the Clinton administration has even apologized. When we just kind of move without thinking about what we say or do, we sometimes by default can offend people. But yet and still, if you don't really acknowledge that and accept that, if you just sit on that, then 
you don't really improve from it. You know, and I can't say that the Clintons are way better or way worse because they apologize. But just the apology is sometimes better than no apology. You know, and even in the moment when you encounter someone and you make a bonehead decision because you're not thinking. Uh, and I think that we as African-Americans, when we when we have these situations that sometimes just happen. They're not surprising to us. So we may say something we may not. But you as someone who potentially delivered that punch, so to speak, sometimes may have said, yeah, well, you know, maybe I, I was a little rough on him or maybe I was a little this. And, and that was your privilege potentially. But do you have the capacity to get off the fence now, so to speak, and maybe look at things a little bit different? I'd say, you know, can you give a maybe more specific example of what you're talking about here? Just how we sometimes can find ourselves talking down to people because we feel like our, you know, position allows us to do that. But just because you can do something don't mean that you should do it. It's when you begin to hold yourself accountable and when you begin to realize that there's another way for you to carry yourself when you have that privilege. You can do something positive with that privilege more often that will probably be a better outcome and build a better relationship. I think that more people understand what white privilege is and what it looks like and they've heard it and maybe have dove and scratched the surface a little bit more. So it's about changing some of that, not necessarily trying to change it on a huge scale, but just change it in your own house for starters, you know, have those tough conversations with people in your own house. You know, you don't have to go outside of your own comfort zone to get uncomfortable. <laughs> Two white people can have an incredible deep conversation around race relations. And you may find that there's a huge difference in how you look at it, you know, which it's about having a conversation more than anything. I, I have actually experienced that. I was sharing with you with some friends. So yes, yes, yes. That and, is uncomfortable. And he's white, but it's still uncomfortable. Right. And I think that, you know, me, myself as an African-American, I like I said before, I try to I try to keep being better at it. And I want to stand up for what I feel like is right for me as an individual. But at the same time, I'm, I have to be mindful of how I do that. But leaving Chicago, going to Little Rock, visiting Washington State prior to moving here. And I was only 18 at the time. I looked at Washington and I didn't see a bunch of black people. And I thought, wow, okay, this is a little bit different, you know, and maybe it's not as bad here, maybe. And not understanding that the system had already kind of showed me how to view my own people in a negative light versus these were symptoms of systems that my people were going through. And I'm trying to run away from something that I cannot run away from. You don't really know what you don't know <laughs> until you really start asking the questions, leaning in, listening, learning, which is, you know, what I'm thankful that you brought me onto the podcast. And hopefully some of the things that I'm sharing can help the listeners to look at things from a different perspective. You know, because what you see out there is not really always what it's portrayed to be. 
It's yeah. really not. I mean, and I think that when we start just caring a little bit more about somebody else's story, it'll give you the confidence to be a little bit uncomfortable because that story may not sound like the story that you thought you were going to hear. And it may actually call you something. I may not call you something, but if you're hearing the story, you're like, oh, kind of sounds like me. Well, that's all right. You know, I mean, it's not all right, but it is all right because you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that can be a teaching moment for us or a learning moment for us to uh, be right. in those kind of situations. Just in general, Washington is not a very diverse state. So when you come from a place like Chicago or Little Rock, Arkansas, you just see way more minorities. So coming here, it's not that I thought it was so much better, but I knew that it was much different from where I was coming from. And I wanted something different from my life. And I didn't know 100% what that different was other than to be safe, you know, to have lost so many friends so young. Um, it was almost like I was used to losing people, you know, and I didn't want that to be my norm. Yeah. Lose another friend, lose another family member, you know, regardless of why they pass. Most of the time when you're young, loss is loss. You know, when you lose someone, you don't really care as much about how they pass you just know that you you lost someone but when you do see it hit your your friend circle I'd say and not understanding that this thing that's happening to you and some of your friends uh, may very well may have been somewhat planned <laughs> it's part of a system and you don't get that when you're young until you get a little bit older and you start really scratching the surface and understanding the things that maybe your grandparents had said to you when you were younger not understanding that they were trying to teach you something but trying to sift you information you know being very intelligent in the way they would teach they sifted me information and it kept me engaged but they didn't preach to me so therefore I, I remember a lot of those conversations and they now uh, ring a lot of truth because my grandparents, they were incredibly smart and they were basing the things that they were giving me off of their experiences for the time, which was very different. But what's crazy is 20 something, 30 years later, it's the same. <laughs> You know, there hasn't really, really been a lot of change in reference to the worry. You know, I have a son and you have a son. I worry about my son every day, you know, and he's not in any kind of trouble. You know, well, both of them. I mean, I have two sons, obviously, but I have a son who's more of a really, really to himself, my older one. But my younger one, he's out there, he's in school and everything, and he stays busy and active and He's a junior at Princeton. Of course, he's a good kid, but that has nothing to do with him being black. No one's going to see Princeton. They're just going to see a black kid. So I have a different mindset around a day-to-day -day thought process, maybe than some of the listeners, you know, because if you've never had to, experience worry then you wouldn't really understand what it feels like 
to be an African-American, you know, be it if it's for my own good or it's for my kids good who just may be out minding their own business, not doing anything wrong. But that does not keep him or them safe as it should, you know, versus if they were white, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, and it's just a it's just a space that I really think that should be thought of in reference to your listeners or the listeners and how we really, really engage in conversations with one another, be it if that's a conversation with a minority or if it's a conversation with a a white counterpart, you know, um, having the conversation and getting comfortable, it's the ultimate goal, you know, no matter if it's going to work out to where you thought it was or not, it's a matter of having the conversation. And, you know, I applaud, you know, those who are doing that nowadays and doing more of it, because I do believe that it's something that is, it's, it's definitely moving the dial in certain aspects, but we need people who have positions of power. And this is not just with law enforcement. I think this is teachers. This is coaches. This is principals. This is managers. This is anybody that's white with a position of a power need to understand your privilege and how that can easily be abused. If you're not sensitive to everyone else, because you can go around and you can go around and you can keep doing what you're doing. But really, have you ever given yourself permission to ask, am I doing this right to a minority? Have, I mean, am I managing you the right way? Do I say things to offend you? And if you've never cared enough to ask that, then you maybe should. Because he or she may have just always just tolerated it. may say, well, you know, I'm so glad that you asked that, Joe. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to let you know that I know that you don't mean any harm. But every time you say this, this or that, it's like, eh, he just don't get it. But I know he's not intentionally trying to offend me. Right. Yeah, so we can all improve if we're open to listening to another perspective. Absolutely. And uh, that's been an, a powerful aspect of doing this podcast for me because, after all, I'm really just trying to share my learning experience and my life broadening out as a result of listening to black voices. I'm uh, just sharing that with, with listeners. Right. And so that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, you know, the media has a lot of, influence and sometimes it's it's great and sometimes it's not so great um, depending on you know where your views are I just think that you know there's a lot of things that we we have jump on us in reference to conversation and we're quick to diffuse away from certain things and I I know that when people ask questions it should be an opportunity to learn but at the same time you know me being an African-American, I feel like I'm continuing to learn every time one of these situations come up because I want to be better at being me more than anything, you know, and I want to ensure that, you know, those who are watching me, mostly my kids and other community folks around realize that, you know, there's a lot that can be had with patience and conversation, 
you know, versus just frustration and moving, but maybe not moving methodically with the right people. Uh, there's a lot of people who want things to be right. And I just hope that many of the listeners are on the side of change for everyone versus all of the things that they think or one could maybe think in reason why it should stay the same. And I hear people say all the time, well, the system is broke. Well, I don't think the system is broke. The system is working just the way it was meant to work. It just don't work for everybody. So how do we smile through that without being too frustrated every single day um, and move to a better place? And I think that that's what we're trying to do here today. Yes. Well, I love the um, the way you describe this. Maybe my white expectation is not in a right place for my white expectation of you as a black man or of blacks in general. My white expectation isn't properly aligned. And I really, I really should have higher expectations. And you, you suggested that in some, some of the things you said earlier that some of the comments and things that you've heard personally mm-hmm. have been very distasteful to you and you've had to kind of navigate that from people that you needed to listen to or have a conversation with, but uh, that their perspective didn't seem, or their comments didn't seem to come from a place that they really thought black people were very capable of much of anything. Right. And uh, I don't think that, but I'm wondering if maybe some of my... <laughs> Some of my underlying uh, stuff doesn't come from that place. I don't know. Well, I would imagine <clears throat> that there's there's a tremendous amount of people who really don't understand how they view African Americans other than what the media has showed them. Because if you don't have genuine personal relationships with people, how can you really decide for people? How can you really decide what you think about a a whole group of people that you really don't even encounter with? Yeah, bingo. You know, we know, I know, maybe I shouldn't try to speak for all African-Americans. That's not right. But me, myself, I know the difference between being celebrated and tolerated be it if it's in a relationship that's fostered because of work or if it's a friendship to a friendship type of situation, you, you know, when someone really has a genuine liking for you versus, eh, you're here, I'm here. We'll make it work. And those situations are okay as well. It's not like they're bad, but the difference is, how you may already look at me as an African-American based off of a lack of relationships that you have with African-Americans, you begin to feel superior to me without even really thinking twice about it, which is what kind of sometimes allow you to kind of have uh, loose lips, so to speak, to just kind of just say what you want to say, you know, uh, And that is the challenge, I think, for those who don't see that that is a real thing. You know, it's it's how you navigate 
a new relationship with someone who maybe looks different from you? You know, what, where, where, where's a comfort zone? Well, you're never going to find it until you start trying, playing mm-hmm. yourself. Well, when you don't try, you cannot find a happy medium. And if you don't feel like you need a happy medium, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's, I don't know about that one. I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> I'm uh, recommending to the listeners uh, at the close of each podcast, I'm recommending that they do two things if they'd like to become part of the solution. One is to um, uh, educate themselves about systemic racism and all these things that are going on literally around us that we oftentimes don't pay much attention to. Educate yourselves about those things. And there's lots of resources to do that. And number two is to attempt to um, find a new friend that doesn't look like you if you don't already have a few. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I haven't suggested how to do that. Right. So uh, for me, it was easier in some ways because it started with friends at church and I happened to go to a fairly diverse church that included a few folks who were willing to have some initial conversation a number of years ago after I read uh, some books Mm -hmm. and that opened up that for me that led then to you and I meeting as an example through one of those friends of mine from church Mm who uh, networked us together. I think when it comes to people, just in general, we we have a way of attracting certain things and certain people. And I don't think it's something that one has to seek out versus just looking at your own true beliefs and challenging your beliefs around, you know, how the world looks to you, you know, and, giving um giving that a real look will hopefully change something about you and maybe you don't need to find a black friend maybe a black friend will find you maybe there's something about you that you're just going to change about you and then someone that don't look like you is going to see that feel that and approach you That's an aha moment there. You know, I, um, I, I, um, so one of the events that I do, I, 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 um, I run a summer concert series, I'd say probably 90% white love them to death because they love me back. They love me as a promoter. They love me as someone who stands on the stage, makes them all feel welcome introduces the acts. I say kind words. I, I, I give props to those who come regularly. I welcome newcomers. I shake hands. We, we, we share food and it's genuine. It's nothing staged about it. I don't do it over and over just because it's my job. I do it because I genuinely like doing it. And I have met more genuine friends through that summer concert series by default than any other platform in my life. So I have great friends that are white, but I can guarantee you 
a lot of us do not share the same political views, but we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We, we just don't talk about that because that platform is not that that's not what we talk about. So I believe that many, many people have the capacity to be better towards one another long as they're willing to leave each other alone in certain spaces. Don't be threatened by growth of someone else. You know, it's like my blessings are my blessings and you can't have them, but I'm not going to get your blessings either. So we can both be okay. You don't have to worry or fear to lose something because I'm gaining some traction as an African-American male. It's not threatening you in any way, shape or form. And if it is, then that's what you should check. Then you should figure out why are you disappointed? Because I look like I'm going to be doing better for myself. I don't fear you doing better. I don't fear you having. So in certain platforms, I think we can find a lot of common ground that gives us the ability to then have more conversations. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. So, um, yeah, I need to, I need to um, process that a little more. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah you know, I dove into a little bit more. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I think that things come along in our life and they they show us something different than what we thought we were going to have. You know, they they uh, they open us up to things. I know that that has worked for me and many of my relationships and the dynamics of them and. Um, and it's not to say that all people, I mean, there's no one size fits all. It just, it just doesn't exist. But I think to challenge ourselves just to simply be better is what we're supposed to do. It's just that more white people don't have to challenge themselves. They just get to turn the TV off or don't go or, you know, it, it's, it's just easier to not have to deal with it. If you're not a minority, I run an adult family home as well, which has been incredibly enlightening for me because I've served in a capacity that I never anticipated serving in people who clearly are racist and don't like me sometimes. It's very clear, you know, it's very evident. And you talk about aha moments when someone needs you and they're racist and they have to make a choice, it's funny how they'll come around sometimes. And I think that that's kind of the space that we all can get in sometimes by default. I serve a senior population in that business. So these are people in their seventies, eighties, nineties that have grown up thinking the way they've been thinking, living the way they've been living for an incredibly long time. So when you deal with a population that can clearly make comments that you know are offensive and racist, but they're still dependent on you, that's when you know you've kind of got it right. Because I would not serve anyone any different because of his or her skewed vision of me as an African-American. If you're in our home, we're going to take immaculate care of you, period. 
no matter if you got the best attitude or the worst attitude, if you can remember what you said or if you can't remember what you said. Uh, we're just going to treat everybody 100% the same. And without fail, it has always 100% of the time worked where people have apologized for their ways and their lack of understanding to who we are as African-Americans because I have a very mixed staff and we all have a space that we can find with a resident or two. So it gives that resident the best opportunity to have the best care and to have the most comfort in a time when their loved ones have brought them to us. But to have to sit through the beginning processes, which is the uncomfortable spaces, there is a new space for them to live, potentially being helped by a minority, which they have never potentially had to depend on. One of the things that I really know for a fact that has helped me because I've been in this business for 10 years now, it's taught me an incredible amount of patience. An incredible amount of patience. And I try to carry that patience into um, other work environments and other spaces that I encounter um, just on a day to day basis, you know. Yeah, I think one of the things that really uh, um, connected me to you when our first conversation was your sharing, you shared an example with me of one of those encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was really moving for me to hear, to think about what it would be like being in your shoes as the owner of the business and providing this one-on-one care for elderly folks, even though they have this known and stated bias against you mm-hmm. and having to navigate that. And, uh, that's a, that's a challenging business model right there. It's a different space. But, you yeah. know, one of the things that's also incredible about it is like that that incident that I did share with you, uh, which was one of many with with that particular client. Um, their family loved us to death and just just apologize profusely regularly because of their parents attitude and demeanor until they changed, Mm -hmm. you know? So it, it also made me realize that, you know, people sometimes will say, well, the apple don't fall far from the tree. Well, apples are round and they roll. So you're not necessarily going to be of the same mindset of your parents or your grandparents. If you choose to look at something different, if you choose to just kind of open up and have someone give you a different perspective, who cares that that's what your mom did or your great, you know, that does not have to be your mindset. You just have to be willing to see something from a different perspective and you may learn something different. And I, that's happened to me in that industry. And, um, which has a lot to do with the way I kind of move nowadays, I think, you know, Well, I really want to thank you, uh, Marcus, for coming on our podcast today and uh, sharing with our listeners and myself. And 
I've learned some important things. I think there's a whole lot more to unpack as time goes on, and I hope that you'll consider maybe coming back. Absolutely. It's been great, and I, I, I appreciate the the invite again. And, you know, I think that if 50 of these kind of podcasts fit, just popped up today, it wouldn't be enough of them. So hats off to you, sir. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Marcus. I appreciate you being on today. Yes. Thanks again to Marcus for being our guest on episode number 9 and number 10. Because Marcus shared so much thought-provoking content through this two-part podcast, I hope you will allow yourself time to really process the important racial wisdom that he shared with us. Marcus gave a powerful example of how it is possible to have real genuine friends that don't share your same political views. I think we have forgotten that in today's hyper-political environment, which sometimes cost us friendships and even relationships within our family. Would you like to know more about how Marcus's neighbor, who shot his mom's car windows out in Little Rock, became their good friends over time? Would you like to know more about the distrust of police that Marcus and many black families grow up with? Please go to our Facebook page at My Awakening Podcast to pose any questions or comments for Marcus or any previous podcast guests. We are excited for your interaction with Marcus and any other guests. Remember to begin educating yourself about systemic racism and what is really going on with our long-standing racial problems by going to the resources section at the bottom of our website at myawakeningpodcast.com. If hearing Marcus today was meaningful for your journey, we hope you will subscribe to and share our podcast with your friends. Stay tuned for next week's episode number 11 that promises more thought-provoking conversation about America's racial issues. Please keep listening, and remember that together we can make the systemic changes that are needed to heal America's racial divide and achieve justice for all.